the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Our program is called Abounding Grace, taken from John Bunyan's famous sermon, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. We'll see where all of this came from, if you'll stick around and join us. Next, on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Grace abounding to the chief of sinners. That is what John Bunyan called it. We call it abounding grace. And in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, the Apostle Paul lays out the glory of this amazing truth. Abounding grace in Christ. Welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. Join us as we are encouraged in this abounding grace afforded to each of us by the Lord Christ. Here's Gary with today's program. We think there are often other things we could be doing, checking up on, listening to, watching, being involved in. But wait a minute. The word of the Savior who bore my offenses is right in front of me. Why aren't I thinking about that? Why is my heart so cold to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me? And, and beloved, trust me, this is not just for preachers. This is for all of those who would be disciples of the Son of God, who know him and who are growing in grace. Not my will, O Lord, but yours be done should be on our lips continuously. I don't belong to me. Lord, you bought me with price. You have given me this free gift out of all my filth. You have given me a free gift, your righteousness. Now he concludes with a very important idea in verse 17. As wondrous as it is to think of the Lord Jesus suffering, not that he suffered, but that he suffered for our condemnation and obtaining our free and full forgiveness. God wasn't content to let, let it go at that because there is more. And that is this gift of grace, verse 17, that keeps finding its way into these verses, you know, like gift of grace, the gift of righteousness. God wants us to know this. He is personally, powerfully transforming us. So think of it like this. Just as surely as death reigned by Adam's sin, verse 17 men means much more will grace reign through righteousness through Jesus Christ. The Lord would have this curse to be eradicated from us so that his grace would dominate us even more than sin ever did. So his grace would dominate us, this gift of righteousness, that that would be the dominant, domineering reality of our lives. You see, the Lord loves us so much 
that he reached his hand down, not just to provide a way for our contamination in Adam to be dealt with and for our personal transgressions to be forgiven so that we can be justified in Christ, but he also wanted there to be a new principle to reign within us, the principle that comes through life in Jesus Christ, the dominion of grace. Now, before we rise to that height, we have got to go back, as Paul does in verse 17, for just a moment, to how low we have sunk. What did we receive in Adam again? Sin and death. Adam's sin caused death to dominate us. What does that mean? It means death in what? Death in my relationships. Do you have a problem in your marriage? Beloved, that is death. Do you have problems in the workplace? That is the stench of death coming out. Do you have any problems with your health? Well, we all do at one time or another. But it is just the footsteps of death marching toward us. How about our national institutions? Oh, no, there's no death there, right? No, there is death galore there. And after this life, which is a living death for us sinners, the problem is there's nothing awaiting us but condemnation in hell forever. But our mighty captain, the Lord Jesus Christ, came forward for us. Yes, Adam's one offense brought the reign of death, but much more. When God gives us the gift of righteousness, he brings the gift of life. The Lord Jesus Christ himself. He swallowed death. Our new life swallowed death. Life outlived death. He overcame it by burying our sins, being crucified for us in weakness, now raised by the power of God. So his cross, his death opened up for us the fountains of life. His quickening, redeeming grace. We are declared righteous through his obedience. Verse 17. We are declared righteous, but even more. Joined to him in living union. The reign of life takes the place of the reign of death. Sin shall no longer, shall no longer have death over you and I. And Paul will tell us this in a few verses. Because we are no longer under the reign of sin, but under the reign of grace. And it is Jesus who gives this to us. We will struggle with sin, but we are forgiven. We are forgiven. We, we still feel the consequences of our death, but God's grace overcomes that. When we are weak, we are made strong. When we are tempted, we overcome. Have you ever trembled with guilt over your sins? And yet, then you turn to the gospel promise. And suddenly, there's relief. I am forgiven. That is life reigning and triumphing over death. Notice three phrases in verse 17 used to describe what we receive in Christ. Abundance of grace, <clears throat> the gift of righteousness, and reign in life. And, one, and all of these is pregnant with significance. As full as we were in sin and death, so full are we now 
now of God's grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. His kindness. Do you believe his kindness? God's kindness overflows in your life. God's not Zeus. He's not waiting to zap you with a lightning bolt for your sin. Our father puts a lot more stock in the sacrifice of his son than we do. He puts a lot more stock in the finished work of his son than we do. So God freely forgives us. And he invites us even today to his throne of grace and says, I will receive you as my sons and my daughters. And I will give you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, there is nothing in us that merits this kind of kindness. Nothing we do, nothing we say, no tears we shed, no works we perform, nothing. We receive all of these blessings because of the gift of righteousness. Beloved, a gift is just that. It is a gift. Your prayer and no one else's prayer made you, made God give you that gift. God did not see you become a superstar somewhere down in the future and say, well, I better give him that gift. No, God freely saw you for what you were, a filthy, vile enemy of all holiness. And he says, in my goodness, I'm going to give you this gift. You will never know why, because there is no why except my own generosity and love. Now, gift of righteousness reminds us of justification again, but I want to go a little bit deeper. I think by mentioning righteousness, the emphasis on the actual righteousness that we receive when God declares us to be justified. Now, here is where the analogy between Adam and Christ is so important. So please listen very, very closely. We received sin, condemnation, and judgment in Adam. Those are not mere ideas. Those are not theological symbols. We actually received them. We felt them. The reign of sin, the death, the judgment. And we still see them today. But when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is truly and definitively righteousness is imputed to us just as much or more than Adam's sin was. We've got to call Adam's sin our sin, do we not? In Adam's sin, we all fell. It is my sin. And we also now have to call Christ's righteousness our righteousness. This is where this analogy and understanding is so vital and why Paul brings it up. Our status, beloved, is not filthy if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but righteous. We do not stand. You do not stand, child of God, in our old ratty robes of sin and judgment. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you stand before God in the white shining robes of Christ's righteousness, His obedience, His grace. We are righteous in Him. It is our righteousness. Just as one as we were with Adam, that is how we are now one with the Lord Jesus Christ. So this grace reigns in us. It dominates us. 
Now, chapters 6 through 8 are going to be an expanding of this principle in terms of how it comes to expression in our Christian lives. But Paul just introduces the idea here. Because, you see, he wants us to see the glory of Jesus' sacrifice and what he has done for us and the newness it brings to us. As much as sin and death once dominate us, that is how much grace and righteousness now dominates us. Now, you might say, but I don't feel it. Paul's not talking about your feelings. Paul's talking about what Christ has done by his blood and by his righteousness and by his cross. Do you want to feel more of it? Stop looking at your feelings. Go back to the fountainhead, the Lord Jesus Christ, and look at him. Consider Christ, as Hebrews says. Look unto Jesus. Know his gospel. Understand that in Christ, God's kindness is flowing. It is raining and transforming. And it will never, never stop. Because the blood of Christ continues to cleanse us from all of our sins. So, brothers and sisters, the wells of salvation are dug And Satan cannot fill them back in, nor can our sins, but they are there. The river of life is flowing from the throne of God right now. Heaven is open, and there is this lamb looking as if he had been slain. And heaven is still singing. Look for nothing but what you find in that lamb of God. He has opened up everything for us, and in looking to him, You will find everything. You ask, why don't I feel this more in my life now? Let me ask you a question. Do you meditate on the gospel promises? Or do when you hear a sermon think, okay, zap me and change me. I'm hearing the sermon. When is the lightning bolt going to fall on me? It's not going to. The sermon only points you where to go. Go to God's word. Meditate on his promises. Call upon the name of the Lord. The well of salvation has been dug, beloved. So whatever you need today, forgiveness, mercy, strength, hope, joy, patience, grace, it is all there because God has given us the gift of righteousness in his son And that gift reigns in us. So what do we do with this? Well, if you're an unbeliever today, you come to Christ. Because you recognize in yourself right now, sin reigns in me unto death. And life is tasteless. It's pointless, joyless, meaningless. I feel the condemnation in me already. But the Lord Jesus Christ opens up grace to you. So come to him now and be saved. The dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear shall live. Ask him to bring you out of your tomb. Now, for those of us who love the Lord, let me mention three things. One, love him. If you are walking in good harmony and good spirit with your wife or your husband, Does someone ever have to come along and tell you, now let me give you three ways where you can really get your wife or your husband to love you today. No, because if you are walking in peace and harmony with each other, 
You're looking for ways to serve and to give to one another. No one needs to put a gun to your head and say, now love your spouse today. You do understand my point here, do you not, beloved? In other words, when we sense what God has done for us in Christ, obedience becomes a joyful thing. Sure, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. So let me encourage you. In light of what he has done for us in Christ, love the Lord, love him. Don't let this day go by without thinking a little bit more deeply than perhaps you have as to what he has done for you in Christ. What has he done? Grace abounding through the cross, verse 15. Verse 16, many offenses, but I've been forgiven. Verse 17, grace reigns in my life, righteousness, no longer sin. Then second, trust the Lord Jesus. You might say, well, I am a Christian. I already trust him. Yes, but no. You can't just be told to trust him one time and think that's enough. Trust the Lord. If he loves you that much, that he would do all of this for you, he will take care of everything else, I promise so that Romans 8:32 says that we who spared not his own he who spared not his own son but gave him up for us all will he not much more with him freely give us all things trust the lord take your burdens take your cares take your problems take your sins and cast them upon him without any doubting Jesus doesn't do mighty works where you don't believe him Because when you don't believe him, he will take care of you even in the small things. Don't forget that. I doubt very seriously that we believe he is taking care of us even then on the cross. I don't think many of us have ever thought about it like that. If he has done this for me on the cross when I was dead, I was an enemy, condemned, judged, just nothing. Is he not going to take care of All the other things? How dare I insult him by saying, I'm keeping this burden for me. I'm worrying about this myself. I'll take care of this myself. He says, what? Are you going to spit on my cross? I take care of everything for you. I am your Lord. Worship thou me. I take care of everything. So you call upon me for everything. Don't just trust yourself in anything. Don't trust your own wisdom. Don't trust your experience. Don't trust your strength. Don't trust yourself, period. It is like trusting a wispy cloud. That's how our our goodness is. It's just blown away with the morning wind. Trust me. I have laid my life down for you. I take care of you. Of everything else. If something bad comes, I've got it under control. If you get a horrible disease, I've got it. If you lose your job, I've got it. If your spouse dies, I've got it. If your child is sick, I've got it. If you lose one of your children to the world, I've got it. Don't look to anyone but me. I am your savior. Trust in me. Look to me. Then third, that makes it real easy. At least to talk about, yield your life to him. Just yield it, beloved. 
When you are sick and on your back, what is the Lord trying to teach you? One basic lesson apart from the specifics is that I am not nearly as important as I thought I was. And what the Lord wants from us during such times is to be yielded to him now and always. Oh, Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated to thee. Is that just a warm, fuzzy feeling? Some of it happens in our life that we was really special for us spiritually. And we say, glory, hallelujah. God was in that. Then Monday morning blues come around and we say, where is God? Why? Because we based our spiritual well-being on heightened emotion. Stick them on something a lot more secure. Stick them on what the Son of God has done for you when they nailed him on the cross. That is what this passage is telling you. You yield your life to him. Remember, he gave his life for you. You have the gift of righteousness and his grace reigns in you. Don't look at your feelings. Don't look at your experience. Look at the Lamb of God who was crucified for us and now lives in power at the right hand of God. Yield your life, beloved. What areas do we say? Lord, I'm yielding everything else, but I'm not going to give you this one. I'm going to hold on to my hatred for my husband because he deserves it. I'm going to hold on to my hatred for my wife because she deserves it. I'm going to hold on to my bitterness for my parents because they deserve it. I'm going to hold on to the way I want to talk. I'm going to hold on to my laziness. I'm going to hold on to my pornography. I'm going to hold on to my lust. We're doing all of these things because we want to hold on to them. We do not want to give them up. I've got mine. You've got yours. We're still holding on. I'm going to control this. I'm going to make it turn out like I want it to turn out. I'm going to make the other people see things like I want them to see them or die trying. This is about me. Instead of saying, wait a minute. I've been given this gift of righteousness. Oh, it's not about me. I was a dead man. But now I have life in Christ. But there's no nobility on my part for me to yield my life to you, Lord. No. He demands it, though. It is not noble. It is a demand from him. But it's also a demand of love in light of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So don't be thinking today, you know what? I really think I should yield my life a little bit more to the Lord. That would be really big of me. No, there is no bigness in it. That's not nobility. Think about the leprous man. And what about Bartimaeus? Do you think they have thought, do you know what? I'm going to be really noble. It will be really noble of me now. It would be really a sacrifice on my part for me to give my life in service to Jesus. Well, he really needs me. Or do you think it was more like a self-forgetfulness that just said, 
whatever was going on in my life before, it is absolutely irrelevant now in light of the one whom my eyes have seen, whom my living body can now praise, whom my skin can now hold and worship because of what he has done for me. The gift of life he has given me. The life he died for me. The righteousness he has given to me through him. It is not a question of nobility. It is not a question of does he need me. It is a question of pure love. I love the son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me when I was a dead and evil man and his enemy. Beloved, let me encourage you. Remember these verses. Love the Lord. Trust the Lord. Live, live, sorry, yield your life to this Christ who has done so much for us in his abounding grace. Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.